0: Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. Hey, Green Valley, well, welcome to Solutions Number Four. I'm excited to get into this with you today. I mentioned last week that I really wanted to preach about David and Goliath, and I just felt like God had laid another word on my heart for last week, but. We get to to dive into this story today. Now most of you have probably heard of the story of David and Goliath, right? Something a lot of us have learned in Sunday school or, you know, we just kind of caught the drift from cultural references over time. But the gist is that giant was Goliath was a giant. He was a big mean bully, right? And and David was the little guy, but he had faith and he stood up when no one else would. And he slayed the giant, right? And who doesn't love an underdog story? David was an absolute solution in his world when no one else would stand up and fight. He stood up, and not just with Goliath, although that was certainly the first big public time. But he was the solution privately for long before that, and publicly for long after that. Was, you know, some of us grew up thinking. That the moral of this story was that if we could just muster up enough faith, right? If we could just have enough faith like David did, we could be the solution like that in our world too. And so we leave these church services and we think, I'll just have enough faith from now on, right? I'll I'll just be better. I can do this. But Monday morning comes or if we're really honest, probably Saturday afternoon comes and we fail again. We get scared, the The doubts start creeping back in. We, we see an opportunity, but we don't take it. You know, we, we succumb to our selfishness again instead of doing the thing we know to be right. And it messes with our identity. It messes with who we believe ourselves To be, instead of seeing ourselves as the solution, we see ourselves as screw-ups we messed up. Again, how can God possibly trust me with the big jobs if he can't even trust me with the little things? And so we set out to correct the things that we can correct in our lives. And instead of digging deeper and giving more to God and surrendering more to him, we judge ourselves, we try to control our little environment. We, we kick out the, the toxic people and we only listen to Christian music and watch Christian movies and live in our little Christian bubbles. We try to follow rules and religion thinking that will keep us straight. So instead of being a solution, we are now seeing the world as the problem, not a problem to fix, a problem to avoid. But what if I told you today that the world is not the problem, but also that your faith is not the problem? (laughs) What if I told you today that you may not even really know how faith works at all? The story of David and Goliath is actually much bigger than just giant slaying. It's the story of a boy becoming a solution for a nation. But he definitely doesn't do it alone. And and the story actually starts in 1 Samuel 16, which is where we're going today, where, where the prophet Samuel, who we talked about last week a little bit, is sent to anoint a new king of Israel after their first king repeatedly rebels against the word of God. And the prophet Samuel is sent to the house of Jesse, who has a handful of sons. But Samuel's not told which son is anointed to be king and so we're going to pick up this story in 1 samuel 16 verse 6 when they arrived samuel took one look at the oldest son eliab and thought surely this is the lord's anointed but the lord said to samuel don't judge by his appearance or height i guess he was (laughs) tall. don't judge by his appearance or height for i have rejected him the lord doesn't see things the way you see them People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah, but Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked. Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? I mean, <laughs> those not Jesse's response here. They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching and will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Two things to take from that. And we're going to read a little bit more of this story. But two things to take from this part. First of all, your looks don't qualify you. Your birth order doesn't qualify you. Your, your training and background aren't the things that qualify you, your age doesn't qualify you, your gender doesn't qualify you. The Lord qualifies you. And the Lord doesn't look at the outward appearance. he looks at the heart. And number two, when the Lord qualifies you, he also equips you. He didn't just show up and say, "Hey David, uh, you're king now, good luck. He showed up and anointed him with the power of the Holy Spirit. The previous king was still the king. Uh, uh, His authority level didn't change yet. He just got the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gave David his spirit powerfully, the text says. But we don't have to wonder what the spirit empowered David to do. We have so much information about David's life actually to learn from. And you know, most people think that the Holy Spirit dwelling within us is just a New Testament thing. But we actually see it all over the Old Testament too. It's it's not readily accessible to everyone in the Old Testament like it is in the New Testament like it is today because of Jesus. But we get these glimpses and examples like David's that we can learn from in the Old Testament. So. Remembering now that David is the only one at this point that is anointed with the Holy Spirit dwelling within him, now let's read the story of David and Goliath. Chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle. The Philistines were a long-standing enemy of the nation of Israel. And so they camped between Succa and Judah and Azekah, At Ephesdemon, that's the Bible, not me. (laughs) Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the Valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. So you can picture this, right? Two huge armies facing each other on hills and a valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet. Tall, Nine feet tall. I'm six feet tall, and people remind me how often, and so often, that I am extremely tall for a woman. Okay, nine feet tall. This guy would have made me look like a shrimp. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of the spear was this heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. But so he was also strong to be able to carry around that much weight and fight people. So, big guy, strong guy, his armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. So, Goliath stood, and he shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. So the stakes were high in this battle, okay? I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now, David was the son of a man named Jesse, from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons had already joined Saul's army to fight Philistines. David was the youngest. David's three older brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep, sheep in Bethlehem for 40 days. 40 days. Every morning and evening, the Philistine champions shredded in front of the Israelite army. He taunted them 40 days and 40 nights, every morning and evening. He taunted the Philist, the Israelite army. So we're going to skip down a couple of verses till David shows up. Right? He comes to give his brothers some supplies from their father. And then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Verse 24, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away. In fright, "'Have you seen the giant?' the men asked. "'He comes out each day to defy Israel. "'The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. "'He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, "'and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes.'" David asked the soldier standing nearby, "'What will a man get?' <laughs> I love how he asked this. "'Wait, wait, 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 what's a man going to get for killing this Philistine?' "'And ending his defiance of Israel?' Is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. But he's ambitious. He wants to know exactly what he's going to get for, for defying this Philistine, for, for being the champion here. But he also is indignant on behalf of God, not just himself. <clears throat> and these men gave David the same reply. They said, yeah, that, that's the reward for killing him. It's pretty crazy, right? And you can almost hear their conversations here. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? He demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. You can hear his jealousy in that. What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous. Now Saul is the king, okay? Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. and He's been a man of war since his youth, and he's nine feet tall, okay? But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said, as if that's supposed to impress him. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears. And I'll do this to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Hear him give God the credit. In both of those instances, from the lion and from the bear. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Remember how high the stakes are. The authority that David must have been speaking with through the power of the Holy Spirit convinced a king to send him into battle even when the stakes were so high. He must have also been a little desperate, though, because it was 40 days of this. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and coat of mail. David put it on, strapped a sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, put them into a shepherd's bag, and then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. It's a little bloodier than I remember the Sunday school version being. And then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear, This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into a shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. <laughs> Again, a little more gruesome than maybe you remember that, that Sunday story as a kid. Were there some other surprises too though? Well, here's how I, I think we often think faith works, right? We think that, that we think of something impossible. Right, Something that would be maybe nice to do. And just because we thought of it, we think God must have given it to me as an assignment. And he's asking me to pull it off. And sure, it's, it's a little scary, but it also make me look good, right? It would be something for me to do. And so, and so it must be God. Let's start getting people on board and let's see what happens. That's how we think faith works. <laughs> but it, it, here's how faith actually works. And it's it's straight from the story of David. You're placed in an impossible situation, like David's bear and lion, and you only have two options. Run away, let the enemy take your sheep, or whisper a prayer and fight. And if you didn't run and you made it through that fight, then there'll be another one after that. Right after the bear comes the lion. And and again, you could run or you could whisper a prayer and you could fight. And before you know it, you've made it to through two fights. Right. You're you're on the other side of those fights and now you're thanking God, but you've also proved to yourself just how much you can accomplish and, and when you put your mind to it and when you whisper that prayer and ask God for help. And now because you've got through those two fights, you you have the faith for the third. That's actually how faith works. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. It's actually not just, just hoping and praying and trying to be better and trying to have more faith yourself. It's relying on past evidence as proof that it can be done in the future. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. It's knowing that you can get through this fight because you've gotten through the last two. It's knowing that that God is with you through this fight because he was with you through the last two. Faith is built brick by brick. It's not just mustard. It's not just pulled out of thin air. It's built. Each new fight is scarier than last for sure. And in between, there there must be training and diligence. But now you have the Holy Spirit whispering inside you. Right? And just from my own experience, the Holy Spirit doesn't say things necessarily like, you've got this, or, or you're awesome. <laughs> he doesn't always just encourage you. Sometimes he just says, this isn't right. Someone needs to do something about this. Or this person needs your help. You have all the tools that you need right now to do what God has called you to do right now. You may not have all the tools you need to to do the job that God has called you to five years from now, but that's okay. You'll build the faith in the meantime to get that job done, brick by brick. David didn't start out slaying giants. He didn't start out commanding an army or, or being king of Israel. He started out with a bear in a field where no one was watching. He won that fight and he won the next one through the power of the Holy Spirit and God led him to the one after that. David was able to step up to Goliath and save his nation because of two things. He built his faith over time and the Holy Spirit was with him. You can be a solution in your world too like David was, with just a little faith building over time and a lot of the Holy Spirit. Allow God to prove himself to you. Apply faith to small situations and watch him work. to lead you through the tough stuff and you'll be able to conquer larger and larger situations over time. When the time comes for you to be the solution in your world, you'll be ready. Lean into the Holy Spirit. Listen for His voice. Ask God for the gifts the Holy Spirit brings. You'll need them to be a solution in your world. But Father, today, as we sit in our, our living rooms, as, as we... Worship you in our kitchens. And let's be honest, as some of us are still brushing our teeth for the morning, I just pray that you would powerfully fall on the people of Freedom Valley, on the people that are watching right now, that your Holy Spirit would fill us up to be solutions to our world, to see our world not as, as a problem to be avoided, but as a problem to fix. Jesus, we know you came to fix our issues to help us overcome them, to be more than overcomers in our world. Father, breathe life back into us, breathe purpose back into us, that we would continue to be the vibrant, passionate, selfless church
1: you've called us to be.
0: In Jesus' name, amen.
1: He built his faith over time, and the Holy Spirit was with him. Those two points are key to what it means to be a Christian. After Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he appeared to the disciples, and he's he's with them. He's, He's defeated death, and he's brought new life, and he breathes over them, the word says. And he says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Salvation is being forgiven of everything you've done wrong. It's accepting Jesus as Lord. It's it's making sure that He is in charge of your life and now you have access to the Holy Spirit. If you've received the Holy Spirit, walk in it. If you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit, it's as simple as salvation. Salvation doesn't mean I prayed the prayer, now I can go back to my old ways of life. Salvation means I have a Savior and He's given me everything I need. He had the Holy Spirit and He built His faith over time first receive the Holy Spirit, receive salvation, and then walk it out day by day by day, you will be amazed at the places God will take you. Today I'd like to pray the prayer of salvation with you. Lead you in that simple prayer. If you've prayed it before, there's no harm in praying it again. It can't hurt you. It can't take away anything you've already received. But if you've never prayed this prayer and you're praying it for the first time, it is access for the first time to the gift of the Holy Spirit, to being a part of his family, to having the power you need to get through the day. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior and the gift of the Holy Spirit for salvation, We're going to pray that right now. Would you just repeat after me? Dear Father God, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I've lied. I've cheated. I've hurt others. I've hurt myself. I need you to forgive me. Please forgive me. Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. You're in charge. You are God. And I want to follow you from this day forward. I confess I'm a sinner. I believe you are God. And I commit to following you from this day forward. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, empower me to follow Jesus better. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you've just prayed that prayer, Jesus is your Savior. You are made new today. Would you let somebody know? If it's your first time praying this prayer, go to fv.church slash I'm in. fv.church slash I'm in. And let somebody know that this prayer was prayed fresh and new That you want to follow Jesus from this day forward. That you want the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. That you believe He is Lord of your life. And like David, you can have victory over any giant you're facing. Have the Holy Spirit and build your faith day by day. That's what it means to be a believer. And we all get to follow him now
0: Thank you so much for joining us today If you made a decision to follow Jesus please let us know by going to fe.church/imn And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links
1: I wanna thank everybody who was involved in this service. Those of you who shared it online, those who were involved in the media, making sure it got out to everyone, thanking Pastor Candice for preparing that word, even under the confines of quarantine, Aaron for editing the video together, our kids for leading us, Tommy in worship. So many people are involved in making this happen and you're one of those people. Following this service, we're going to have some more opportunities. At noon, our kids team is going to lead our kids in in a service especially for them. And we're going to meet again on Wednesday night for Wednesday Night Live. We'd love to see you there. Don't forget you can share this service out. You can watch it back later. We love you, and we'll see you as soon as we can safely meet together again. Stay safe. See you later, Effie.